So we have met some very interesting characters in John's Gospel the last few weeks. There was Nicodemus visiting Jesus in the dark of night, filled with questions but leaving still confused. Then there was that unnamed woman at a well in Samaria. She saw the light and not only accepted the gift of living water that Jesus offered, but was so filled with that water that she became the first full-fledged evangelist, bringing her entire village to belief and trust in Jesus. And today, we meet another unnamed character, a certain man, sick for 38 years, lying by a pool with others, in need of help and healing. It's a short story, especially for John's Gospel, but it is jam-packed with meaning and images and message, and it may also leave us with a lot of questions. Like, how in the world do you even survive for 38 years outside, unable to walk, without assistance? At least that's just one of the questions that always hits me when I read this story. The setting is the Sheep's Gate in Jerusalem, more accurately the pool near the gate, and the pool was known as Beth Zatha, which means House of Mercy. So we are at the Mercy Pool. And yet the ill man hasn't found much mercy in 38 years. The story implies he has been waiting by the pool many, if not all, of those 38 years. The pool was a healing site. Legend had it that every so often, but not on a predictable schedule, an angel would come and trouble the waters, and the first one in the pool would find a miraculous healing. Picture a shrine-like scene like the caves of Lourdes in France or the hills of Medjugorje. The ill and the hurting of all sorts crowded around with anticipation. When will the angel show? Is that a ripple in the water? Maybe my healing is at hand. Our ill man lies longing to be the first in the pool. His eyes never leave the water lest he miss the telltale ripple of the angel. But alas, when he does catch a glimpse of those troubled waters, he is never the first to make it into the pool. But he is diligent. He is tenacious. He hangs in there, hope against hope, that this next time will be his time. And then along comes Jesus. And as so often happens when Jesus shows up, things change, but rarely in the way that we expect them to. Jesus shows up, and he knows the man has been there a long time. Do you want to get well? He asks the man. Oh, you bet I do, he says. You can't imagine how much and how deeply I want to get well. Wait a minute, he doesn't say that, does he? No, he does not directly answer Jesus' question, do you want to get well? Instead, he offers up explanations and excuses for why his situation ever remains the same. No one will help me. Everyone else beats me out. Somebody gets in the pool first, always. Excuses for why he is not well. Not an answer to the query, do you want to be well? Jesus looks at him and says, stand up, take up your mat and walk. Simple as that. And all at once, before the man ever even has a chance to protest, well, I cannot walk, he is made well, he is whole, and he does indeed pick up his mat and walk away. 
Basically, Jesus looks at him and says, you're good to go. You don't need a pool of mercy based on an old legend. You just need me in your life. Get up and go. Like I said, it's not the thing we expect. Jesus' word alone sets this man on a new path to a new life, literally. Jesus' word alone brings the wholeness that has escaped him for so very, very long, for 38 years to be exact. The pool fades in the background of the story as an inconsequential detail that we wonder why we even bothered with in the first place. And there's a key to part of this story for us. The man is fixated on that pool for years. He is convinced that it holds the answer to his needs. He sits on his mat week in and week out, waiting and waiting to be the first to wade in the water. But he never is the first. In fact, from what he tells Jesus, it is doubtful that he ever really stands a chance. He cannot make it on his own. No one ever offers to help. There are always plenty of other seekers in line that will beat him out. Always. And yet, he sticks with his plan. What in the world makes him think that today will be any different from yesterday? He is fixated on this one path to healing, an improbable path covered with obstacles, but he cannot see any other possibility. He cannot be open to any other way. Indeed, when Jesus asks him if he wants to get well, he doesn't even think to follow that path. Well, I do. Do you have any ideas? Do you have a suggestion? Can you help me? No, sir. He knows the answer to his dilemma, and he's sticking with it, and it lies in that pool. Have you ever been there? Stuck on a mat of your own? Sure, you knew what you needed, and yet the longer you sat there, the less things changed. It can be so hard for us to open up to the wild and crazy things that Jesus might lay at our feet, we think we know all we need to know. We think the ways of the world are the best ways. We think inside boxes and conventionality all the time. We look for new life in the old ways, in pools of legends. We do the same thing over and over, hoping for a different outcome. We ignore Jesus as he stands before us and asks, do you want to be made whole and new? Maybe it's because the answer can be too terrifying, right? You know the adage, we prefer the devil we know to the one we don't. The man knows, he surely knows at some deep level that he is never going to make it into those troubled waters. But what would happen if he gave up that goal of getting into the water? What if he changed his focus? I would bet that that unknown territory would be a frightening thing. But if he stays fixated on that pool day in and day out, ignoring Jesus' words, well, then nothing will change, ever. We all think we know what we need. We need to get into that pool that everyone else tells us will give us a full, abundant life. We need the big house and the flashy car. We need the wardrobe and the bank account that we think provides security. We need to go, be on the go and do, do, do constantly, filling every waking moment with activity of some sort or another. 
Yes, we think we know so well what we need, and then along comes Jesus and he asks us a simple question. And our choice is to do as he says, or to keep trying to get into the pool with everyone else. Pick up your mat and go. His words are direct and surprising. Well, how? How in the world can I pick up my mat and go? How could I possibly leave this job? Sure, it bores me to death, but I've been here longer than I can remember. Pick up your mat and go. What do you mean, start graduate school at 50 years old? That makes absolutely no sense. Pick up your mat and go. The invitation from Jesus is always to new life, to resurrected life, to abundant life now. But it is rarely what we expect. And did you notice that Jesus found the man? The man was stuck on his mat. He was not hollering out for Jesus. He hadn't sent someone to find Jesus for him. No, Jesus found him. And so it is with us. Jesus is always seeking us out, asking us if we want what he has to offer, wholeness and peace, new and abundant life. And all we have to do is listen to him, pick up our mat, and follow. The trouble is we think in conventional terms. Healing comes from the pool of mercy nowhere else. The trouble is we make excuses and cast blame everywhere but where it belongs. Well, no one will help me into the water. The trouble is we are stuck on our mats, unwilling or unable to open to the seeming impossibilities of grace that Jesus offers us day in and day out. The trouble is we don't listen when he tells us we are good to go, to pick up our mats and go, that all will be well. The trouble is... We don't really answer his question, do you want to be well? So where in your life are you stuck on your mat? Is it a bad relationship? An addiction of sorts? Negativity and gossip? A dead-end job? Loneliness or fear? Close your eyes and listen for Jesus' invitation to resurrection. Where is new life waiting for you like the man by the pool? But be ready, because his invitation may seem preposterous. It may seem ridiculous. It may make no sense. But trust him and believe him. You are good to go. Pick up that mat and go. Accept the gift Christ offers of wholeness and new abundant life. And I ask, where are we stuck on our mats as a congregation? We say we're willing to change. Are we? We say we want to embrace new people. Do we? We say we will do whatever it takes to bring in younger families and fit their schedules. Will we? What are the crazy and unimaginable opportunities God might be placing before us that we simply offer our own excuses up for? Oh, we can't do that. We've always done it this way. The membership would never accept that. What mats are we stuck on as a congregation? And where is our trust in the word of Christ? 
Are we willing to let go of our excuses to pick up our old mats and follow Christ's invitation to a new, whole, abundant life as a group of faithful followers? Well, I think we are good to go, and I think you do have enough faith. I think your trust in Christ's word is solid. So over the next few months, if you hear some crazy new ideas, ideas that defy legends or the past, or our places of comfort on our mats, I'm going to ask you to remember this story and trust. And then pick up your mat and join us as we head into a new era as PCWS, led by Christ's invitation to be all that we can be, filled with abundant life that we share with others so freely. We are indeed ready, so let's pick up our mats and go. Amen.